Would you believe me if I told you that the screen of the computer or phone you're using to view this episode from is making you fatter? What if I were to inform you that the overhead lights in your home and workplace were increasing your risk of breast cancer and depression? Unfortunately, both of those are true statements, plus many more shocking facts as we'll learn with my guest today. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast, a show that acknowledges no one is always an expert by dispelling misconceptions with real experts. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is Dr. Martin Moreed. The good doctor was previously a professor of Harvard Medical School before he left academia in search of a solution to the problem he was seeing, the devastating effects of our current LED lights on the human body. After 250 separate scientists confirmed Dr. Moreed's theory, he set out to invent a new light bulb that won't harm you, and he succeeded. It's a fascinating interview about a thing we really take for granted, and I know I learned a lot just listening to him. A little heads up that the guest side of this conversation is not necessarily the audio quality you might be used to, but I've done what I can to help, and you'll adapt pretty quickly with that big wonderful brain you've got. Let's light it up. Welcome to the show, Dr. Martin Morid. Hello there. Nice to be with you, Colton. Yeah, it's so nice to have you on the show. Why don't you introduce yourself for the audience? Yes, uh, my name is Dr. Martin Moreed. Uh, I'm a former professor of Harvard Medical School and uh, one of the world's leading experts on how lights, and particularly LED lights, uh, disrupt our circadian rhythms and affect our health. Um, I've also been involved in inventing lights that don't do that, in other words, solve this problem. And uh, we'll talk more about why. It's a very big issue causing a lot of health and other disorders. Yeah, and that's fascinating to think, like, the lights that are overhead above us all the time, and, you know, we don't really consider those kind of things. What got you into studying lights? Yeah, we, we take it so much for granted, you know, we sort of we'll switch on the wall, we we'll flick the lights on, you know, it's just pure convenience, um, nothing you ever have to think about. But um, I first got involved many years ago when I was um, doing my surgical residency. I was a young, um, newly qualified doctor um, on the track to become a surgeon. And I found myself working those 36-hour long shifts that are so typical of a profession, 36 hours nonstop, 12 hours off, back in for 36, um, 108 hours a week, under bright fluorescent lights. And... I spent that year t- totally scrambled by that year. My brain was totally scrambled by the end of the year. I was fatigued constantly, um, nodding off in the operating room, uh, writing prescriptions I couldn't make sense of the next day. And I kind of got interested in this whole issue of why is it sometimes a day it's easy to be alert, others it's harder. Um, and uh, it's the whole area to do with what we now call a circadian rhythms or the rhythms of the body that go around day and night. So I took a detour and um, out of surgery and went down and did a PhD at Harvard on this topic, a uh, brand new topic at the time, very little published in it. In fact, many professors advised me this was not a worthy topic. I should stay clear of it. It was, uh, you know, a dubious, uh, something to do with the Earth's rotation, electromagnetic you know, effects, but 
no one discovered a circadian clock in the brain as we eventually did. But it was a fun time. And of course, when you start a new field, it's just wide open. And uh, that's been my career ever since, um, figuring out how the clocks work in the body, in the brain, uh, how they affect your sleep and your hormones and your functioning and your ability to, uh, and your health, and why light is so critical. And it is. In fact, it turns out that blue part of light, as we'll talk about, uh, the blue wavelengths of light are just the thing that either keeps you perfectly in sync with the world or just totally scrambles your brain uh, because it, it is the signal that we use and most animal species use to tell the difference between day and night. Yeah, and that's interesting because we hear the phrase like circadian rhythm so often, and I don't think anyone's ever you know, sat down and like explained it to, you know, the average person. We're just like, I don't know. It's when I'm awake and asleep. Well, it's a bit more than that. It's, but it is that too. In other words, almost everything in our bodies fluctuates systematically with the time of day. So there's a time of day when we feel most sleepy. There's a time of day when our body temperature is highest, typically in the evening. There's a time of day when a hormone such as a stress hormone, cortisol peaks. That's usually just before we awake. There's a, a growth hormone peaks just um, after we fall asleep. Um, everything having its own rhythm. And all of that is orchestrated by a little clock in the brain, tiny little cluster of nerve cells in the brain. So it's got a fancy name called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. But it is actually the biological clock that controls how we sync ourselves with day and night. Uh, it's a thing that causes, causes jet lag. So if you now get in a plane and fly across to Europe, uh, fly to Japan or wherever, you are going to take a number of days um, in a sort of jet lag state before your body adjusts. That's because the clock takes time to get adjusted to Japan time or Paris time or wherever you're going. And that clock is actually, we now know, is critical to health. In other words, if your clock is aligned and synced with the world, with the day-night cycle, uh, then your immune systems are active, you're more resistant to COVID and other diseases, um, you have less risk of diabetes and heart disease and uh, cancer. And in fact, people who are exposed to light at night um, have 50% or more cancer, breast cancer, prostate cancer. Um, because, And that turns out to be related to how these clocks are disrupted and the rhythms of the body hormones, such as melatonin in the body, that are disrupted when the clocks are disrupted. So it's it's been a fascinating world, but essentially every cell in the body has clocks, so virtually every cell, every organ in the body has clocks. They all need to be kept in sync with each other, otherwise we end up with this very, what's called circadian disruption, or, you know, basically the orchestra is out of tune, as it were, with all these different clocks in the body. Was that one of those that, like, everyone on the East Coast kind of has like one synced up clock cycle. Like there's a, a normal pattern for people that would be in that time zone. And then the same thing for somebody on the West coast, but they'd be several hours off from each other. That's right. Yeah. You're synced to the uncle, but the challenge is we humans have invented strange things that weren't natural, right? Time zones are not natural. So if you're on the, um, East end of the Eastern time zone, you're in Boston, where, where I am. Um, the, the, the light, the sun rises an hour earlier 
And if you're in the West End of the same time, let's say Detroit, for example, is in the West End of the Eastern time zone. And that turns out to be a big difference. In fact, fascinating studies looking at people who live just a few miles east or west of a time zone boundary. The people on the east side of the boundary are far healthier, diabetes, cancer, everything else, than those on the um, uh, on the east side of the boundary. So the ones on the west side of a boundary much healthier than those on the east side of the boundary. So basically, it's just that difference alone. There's nothing other that you could track all across America, up and down, with different time zones, and there is this consistent pattern of health because you're putting stress on the body when, you know, so kids have to get up to go to school in the dark, much more dark in the winter in Detroit than they do in Boston at the same time. So school starts at 8 or whatever it is. It's like a whole hour's of difference. Uh, we changed time zones, you know, twice, uh, not time zones, but daylight savings time twice a year, or, you know, change that. Also, traffic accidents are higher, heart attacks are higher for, for the week after. Um, so it's, it's a very disruptive thing. Our body's incredibly sensitive uh, to time and uh, to light in particular. Yeah, so does that mean, you know, when people say like, oh, I'm a morning person or I'm a night owl, are those kind of like an illogical balance we've given ourselves because we have access to more technology that allows us to to skew the natural pattern? Well, yes, of course. You know, before Edison, before 100 years or so ago, um, there, you know, people had lights with candles or were uh, wood fires or whatever else. That contains very, very little blue. There's virtually no blue in a wood fire or in a candle and flame. But in uh, our LED lights today, we have a huge amount of blue. And therefore, and that blue, using the LED lights or blue-rich fluorescent lights in the evening, is actually very disruptive. And that, and some people are more sensitive than others. So when we get to the evening hours, there are people who are way more sensitive to it, and hence that light shifts their sleep way later, and they can get you know um, into a state of staying awake very late they can't fall asleep. Whereas the people who are more the morning type people, in other words, are people who are more resistant to it. And we sort of know that because a very interesting study that um, Professor Ken Boulder at the University of Colorado, uh, sorry, University of Colorado Boulder did. What he did is he took a whole group of people who were living their regular lives, some were evening types, some were morning types, you know, but they're living their regular lifestyles, and took them all on a camping trip. Uh, without any electronics. So they had no electricity, no access to electric light, only, only just had wood fires of old. And lo and behold, the evening, everybody adjusted to the, you know, natural bright daylight and natural pure darkness at night. And there was no difference or virtually very little difference between the night owls and the other. And that tells you that that's a figment of or a result of using electric light in the evenings. But some people are just have much more effect on some people than others, and it just drives their sleep patterns and their circadian clocks out of sync. Wow. I mean, especially when you've listed, you know, some of the health concerns that come with this. Is it like all LEDs that we have in our 
our phones, our TVs, our overheads? Is it all like bad? It's virtually all. Yes, I mean the standard in LEDs, the invention of LEDs is an energy saving invention. In other words, the whole idea is how many lumens as a measure of light can you pump out per watt of electricity? So lumens per watt is the metric. So the standard incandescent light bulb, by the way, which is banned as of August the 1st um, last year, I can't buy them in the shops. Uh, you'll find I think it's $542. Any, anybody who tries to sell you one would get fined $542 per light bulb because um, they're so intent on getting rid of them. Halogens have also gone, and for other reasons, fluorescence have gone. But these LED lights are efficient because they use blue light, a blue pump inside them, a blue, blue chip inside them that takes electricity and converts it into light, and then it turns it using phosphors to spread it out and make a more natural color, not just blue. But that blue spike in them is the secret to their energy efficiency. You can get 100, 150 lumens per watt as compared to 15, you know, incandescent bulb with an LED light. And that sounds great, except it's causing huge disruption to health. Um, so most LED lights are a problem, um, but a problem only, I should stress, during the nighttime hours, because it turns out that the signal that tells our brains whether it's day or night, now who knew it was this, right, is actually a few wavelengths of blue in a sky blue color. I mean, think about light is made of, you know, when you see white light, you're really looking at a full rainbow spectrum of colors. But it's that blue spectrum around 480 nanometers. That's the key signal. You want to see as much of that as you can during the daytime hours. But at night, that's disruptive. So it's not blue being good or bad. It's when the time of day you see blue. And the trouble is the standard LED light blasts out blue day and night. So it's not really a problem during the daytime. But in the evening hours, that's when it has its problem. That's been, that was the issue. And that's, uh, be now leading to, um, you know, great increased rates of obesity, diabetes, heart disease, breast cancer, prostate cancer, um, and also mental illness, um, in a depression, uh, anxiety. Um, and, and the secret solution turns out to be to see as much daylight as you can, especially in the mornings and to have zero blue lights, um, lights that don't produce blue at all. Uh, during the evening hours. And with that, you get radical improvements in health. Um, just tell you one story, for example, um, the, the number of hospitals have studied this, the psychiatric hospitals, that um, with if you go to a psychiatric hospital and it's got uh, one side of the building is all the windows are facing east and south. In other words, they see the rising sun, right? And the other side of the same building uh, has windows that face north and west. Um, when you admit psychiatric patients with depression and other disorders into that hospital, the ones in the windows facing east and south getting the morning sun are discharged in half the time with the same medication, same doctor, same hospital. Nothing else has changed other than the exposure of light in the mornings. Um, to show you something else that's in why this is so important, um, People, you know, uh, often these days, sometimes it's because of anxiety or whatever, sleep with some lights on in the bedroom. The more lights you have in the bedroom, the worse your health. In fact, 
If you look at, and by the way, 30-40% of young people do it, over 50% of elderly people do it, but that light in the bedroom doubles your risk of diabetes, heart disease, and so forth, and obesity. And so, and, you know, a big study just came out, 88,000 people in England, they put meters on them to figure out how much light they were getting, you know, in their bedrooms. The ones who got the light, and they, they, these 88,000 people average around 60. And then they, over about eight years, they looked about how fast do those people live, how long do they live, and how many of them die. And the people who were exposed and had light on the bedroom were dying 30% faster. You know, it's amazing. These are huge effects. And what we don't realize is, you know, lifespan in America is sort of stalled. It, it used to be getting longer, now it's sort of stuck. Um, and it's totally, of course, reduced lifespan, but that was a, you know, an immediate thing. But in general, it's sort of stuck. And we don't realize so much is affected by something we never think of, which is the lights we have in the room. And they just, you know, lights we buy at the hardware store, they have very real effects on your health. So it's a, it's a remarkable issue and the science is really solid now. Um, in fact, one of the reasons I, that I'm out here talking about it is because people are saying, well, the scientists all know this, but the general public doesn't have a clue about this. You know, why, why don't, you know, they, I guess the scientists don't, they only speak to each other. But how do we get that over here? You know, is this just more Eve going out and coming out with, you know, his own personal crazy notions? So, I got together 250 of the world's leading scientists who published the most scientific papers on the most work on circadian clocks and light and reached with them a very strong consensus that this absolutely this blue light is the problem, that the, the risks of obesity, diabetes, cancer, and so forth increase by light exposure at night. And these LED lights that are now being almost the only thing you can buy, the standard LED light, um, should carry warning labels, maybe harmful if used at night. Now, that's 250 scientists saying that, so it's not just me. Um, but we need to get the word out. And, and that there are also now solutions to this. And it's uh, talked about, you know, getting the most daylight as you can. But in the evenings, um, there are now lights available which do not have any blue. They still look, they don't look very different, because you can't really tell. Uh, they still look a whitish yellow type of color but they don't um, have any blue, they called zero blue lights. And that's the solution that I was involved in inventing in order to solve this problem. In other words, let's give ourselves, even if only, because we're not going to give up on electric light, but let's at least use lights that are more like firelight that doesn't have any blue in it. Especially when you're considering, you know, those health concerns, you know, you say heart disease, cancer, and diabetes, I'm like, those are the biggest three killers in the United States. And to think that like, oh, well, I have, you know, a smoke detector overhead has an LED. My alarm clock has an LED, like whatever else in my room just has these same blue producing LEDs. Like they're harming me without even knowing they're harming me. Yeah, and you're not aware. This is the thing. You, you cannot tell by looking at the light how much blue is in it. You can't tell, you know, how harm it's always doing. It's a really insidious thing. And yet, you know, it's an environmental blue in the evenings is an environmental pollutant. But it's the easiest one to solve because if you think about it, anything else like, um, you know, these nasty forever chemicals like PFAS and, you know, the other things that we worry about, um, very hard to get rid of toxic things out of our environment. 
But here, just change the light bulb. It's really pretty simple. Is it the kind of thing you'd notice? Like if I slept in my room and I had all the normal lighting that it has, and then the next night slept without any of it, like I removed everything from my room but the bed, would I notice the difference overnight? You would. It would take, it wouldn't be instantaneous the first night necessarily, but certainly within a week or so, um, those effects really come in. And so, um, yes, in other words, sleeping in the dark is critical. Now, you can have a little red light, you know, if you, you know, you can buy alarm clocks or whatever with red light on the dial, but anything with blue or white in it is a problem. And, you know, we use our electronics all the time. We're ready to our iPhones or to our devices. That's, um, that's part of the issue. Um, but yes, it is something that will improve uh, people's sleep improve, uh, their health improve. I get all sorts of, I'm, I'm, you know, I've written a book, The Light Doctor, uh, recently, uh, which is available on Substack and will be coming out in print this year. But I get just thousands of, um, of people contacting me telling me how their, their life and their sleep and their health is being improved, you know, by following some of these tips. Well, it's very interesting because I've noticed that on my phones, like my phones over the last generation or so have had a setting that just says like, oh, hey, it's 8 p.m. We're turning on your blue light filter. And I'm like, you're doing what to my what? <laughs> like, what is the what are you what is my phone doing to me? What is, <laughs> what is this? Unfortunately, some of those are just changing the color. It's more of a placebo. You know, there's a lot of placebos out there. That's the other side of it. And that's why I've written this book, The Light Doctor. It's because there are a lot of placebos out there. You know, people talk about changing the color temperature of the light. But that doesn't do a heck of a lot because if you're still using a blue pump LED, it doesn't make a lot of difference. So that's why you've got to use, you know, LEDs that are rich in blue during the day and, and are zero blue um, during the nighttime hours. So say we had a house and bought new LED lights that are going to have non-blue pumps in them, but they're not here yet. What time of day should I be turning off all the lights in my house? Well, you, you, they usually say you should avoid uh, for the three hours before bed. That's when you should avoid exposure to bright lights or bright LED lights. Now, some of these lights are becoming available this month, um, by the way. Um, uh, so, you know, we're seeing, seeing lights with this solution become available. Some will be available in the next uh, few months after, afterwards. So, so a lot of those solutions are now coming out. You know, when I did this invention of the lights, um, I licensed some of the world's leading lighting companies. So hopefully we're going to see more and more of these companies pick this technology up and get it out. Because they've got a huge liability problem if they don't. Because, as I say, it's a bit like asbestos. Everyone thought asbestos was a great thing. I mean, gosh, a great insulator until everyone started having these cancers from it. And that bankrupted the whole um, asbestos industry. So smart thing is for the lighting industry to get on behind this. But their problem is if the general public doesn't know to ask, how do you sell, you know, these lights? You know, it's always a bit more expensive to buy a light bulb that's, um, you know, got special features to it other than, a, you know, cheap. You know, should I just, why don't I just buy cheap light bulbs and not spend them and save the money? Well, the answer is, you know, if it doubles the rate of your obese, it makes you more obese, and you then have to go on a Zenpic, that's going to cost you six, $800 a month. It's a bit better to look after your health and not have that bill, and the light bulbs are way less than that. 
maybe they're twenty, thirty dollars or whatever. But you know, for for a long lasting light bulb, it's and it's healthy. It's not not such a bad thing. Yeah, especially when you're considering, you know, thousands and thousands of hours you're going to get out of an LED. Absolutely. Like, oh, you got to pay $30 a month. You're like, no, you're going to pay $30 once and then maybe replace it two, three years, whatever, down the road. Like, you don't worry about it. Exactly. Yeah. Now, we, you know, we put the light bulbs, we started putting the light bulbs, uh, these these lights into um, businesses that run 24 7 because that's where we started in, in 2017. And, um, you know, they're going five years later. So, yeah, they do work. And that raises a couple of things. Like, number one, the thought of, like, turning off everything in my house. Because I assume your TV, your phone, your overhead lights, all blue light. And being like, okay, I got to go to bed at a reasonable hour. And then just shutting the whole house down three hours before you're ready. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, no, you need, like, I mean, to, to function in today's world, you need sunlight. I mean, you know. And something more than candlelight. Candles have their own problems, of course. Uh, people have pretty black ceilings in the days of candlelight, all that candle smoke. <laughs> so that's not, wasn't the greatest technology. But the answer is you can produce lights that have the zero blue of candlelight now, and uh, that does solve the problem. Yeah. But we're getting there. And so, as I say, they are becoming available. The other thing it makes me think about is the off normal hour shifts, you know, where you're saying businesses that are operating 24 hours a day, how is, you know, this lighting, especially late night, affecting people that are working, you know, swing, graveyard, early morning kind of shifts? Oh, it's a big effect. And uh, as I say, we've we've installed the lights in a lot of those facilities now that run them, you know, they're running auto refineries and and gas company utilities and you know, manufacturing, you name it, and uh, makes a big difference. Uh, what you know, what we might be able to do is put lights that automatically are blue rich during the day and zero blue at night. And we've shown people uh, in those types of situations their sleep has improved, their health has improved. Interestingly, they're more alert working the night shift um, because the light, the component of that light, um, we to make the light white, we use a violet. LED instead of a blue, the violet has no, doesn't disrupt the circadian clock. But the violet also helps alert people. So we're seeing reduced numbers of errors on the night shift. We're seeing people healthier, um, less GI symptoms. Um, 43% reduction in the use of over the counter medications. That's a pretty good uh, metric. Um, we're seeing people losing weight and appetite. That's another side of it, by the way. People who work night shifts, get awfully hungry and snacking all night. And it turns out the blue is the thing that makes them hungry. And so when we replace the zero blue lights, they snack half as much, right? In other words, they're, so that helps you with your obesity and your, you know, everything else. It keeps your weight under control. And so, um, yeah, we've, we've had people more alert, make fewer errors um, on the night shift. Uh, we had one facility that we put it in that was operating I think about um, this one center, control center, was operating about 50 hydroelectric dams all over the U.S. and Canada, you know, from one control center. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things go wrong. If some operator makes an error there, it can turn the, it can wash out a, a, a town or village downstream uh, unless they're careful. Uh, that's a 
problem. And so when they got a reduction, of, I think two-thirds reduction in the number of errors, operator errors they were having as a result of using the lights, um, that was a pretty significant finding. So now we did all this in the lab first. We demonstrated in the lab. We created a simulation of 24-hour work and had people work around the block. Great results. And of course, they're repeating it in uh, chemical plants and oil refineries and all sorts of uh, places. They're even installed in the Hoover Dam, you know, the control room for the Hoover Dam, all sorts of places. The lights are the coast, U.S. Coast Guard using them uh, in their control centers. So we're, we're seeing the lights uh, pop up everywhere. Well, and that's fantastic, you know, to be able to to make these small changes that really, yeah. like, you know, support extreme health conditions in people that are otherwise just working their normal job. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, no, it's uh, you know, it's a tough world working uh, shifts around the clock, and uh, but you know it has to be done, and so much of our world relies on on that. It's amazing how much is done. You know, we have a consulting group called Circadian that works with all sorts of shipwork facilities around the world, everything from mines to um, one of the some of the big automotive manufacturing plants are running shifts. Obviously, offshore oil rigs, you, you know, and then of course the airlines, uh, the um, railroads, the trucking fleets, everything else. And so, yeah, we we see just basically everything. But that's you know controlling, stabilizing our circadian rhythms is really key to health and performance and, and well-being. Well, it makes me think, you know, like you said, we had switched to this violet light because the violet doesn't affect our sleep patterns at all. That's right. Was it just like sheer dumb luck that we happened upon blue? Like there's so much of the light spectrum that is exists out there that we just happened to pick blue, or is there like a reason that blue was used? There's a very interesting story there, actually. Um, uh, it turns out that life began deep in the oceans, right? That's what we know about where, where life form began. And what's fascinating is that seawater or water, large bodies of water absorb all the colors of the spectrum except for blue. In other words, the, you know, the uh, yellow light, the red light, the green light doesn't penetrate very deep. And it turns out that this sky blue color, which is the natural color of sky in the sky, is the color that penetrates down in the ocean depth. So you go down a couple of meters, a couple of hundred meters, and it's just totally blue down there. That's the only color. And in fact, uh, if so, when life began, daytime was always blue, right, down in the oceans. It didn't use any other color. So we've preserved that, and it turns out that um, that's that fundamental mechanism, by the way, of having a circadian clock that tells you, predicts when it's dawn's going to occur, enables you to sort of get ready uh, for either scurrying to your burrow if you're nocturnal, or getting out there and feeding if you're diurnal, if you're daytime, uh, that clock, which enables you to know the time of day, the detection, you know, of photopigments that detect blue light, specifically as blue light, and interestingly, the hormone melatonin is found even in single-celled creatures in the sea. In other words, it's not just something in we humans. Uh, that whole mechanism is an age-old mechanism, billions of years old, that's been preserved. So I think the answer why it's blue is to do with the uh, that seawater effect, um, absorbing every other color. The only thing that penetrates down in the depths is blue light. 
And we've just kept that, that, that clue. Just a, a bit of the Cambria effect, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's a Cambrian, it's a Cambrian, definitely Cambrian evolution thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, it's just one of those that you think about because you're like, there's this enormous visible spectrum, there's a non-visible spectrum, all these things we... There's lots of things you could use. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. lots of other spectrum you could use. Fun. So is this also kind of, you know, like we had talked about, there's some placebos out there and there's some real things out there. Yeah. Is this, you know, using so many blue light producing things like our screens on our computers, is this where blue light glasses were designed or is that another placebo? Well, it depends. There are, unfortunately, a lot of the so-called blue light blocking glasses are uh, blocking the wrong blue. Um, Blue, just so we can sort of get some numbers to this thing, you know, starts around 380, 400 nanometers wavelengths. That's when you're in the violet end of the spectrum and goes up to about 760, 780. That's when you get into the deep reds. Beyond that is infrared. Below the 380 is ultraviolet, right? But there's a visible spectrum. And you have all the colors. You have violet, you have blue, you have greens, and yellows, and oranges, and reds, right? Secret, just like a rainbow. That's the composition. Now, what's fascinating is that, um, that each part of that spectrum is actually associated with a different feature of our health. So violet light actually kills bacteria and viruses, you know, and you can use it to sterilize. Um, we've talked about the deep blue light in the sky, blue light synchronizing the clocks. Green light is actually, um, it affects our mood, our health, and particularly pain reduction. So if you feel migraines, it's using the green part of the spectrum. The red part of the spectrum is for cell repair and hair growth and things like that. So, you know, we've got all those components sitting in the spectrum. But when we come down to blue, which is what you started with, there are many different types of blue. So where blue is everything from about 400 or 20 through to about um, 500 in that range of nanometers. And those blues are very different effects. There is a blue which is down around 425 to 450 range, which can be harmful to your eyes in when it's very, very bright, bright sunlight. Um, it's a so-called you know blue light hazard, right? And it, that can damage your eyes. But that's only in sunlight. It's never indoors because indoors we're living in about a hundred to a thousand times dimmer light than what's outside. But, but and some blue light glasses are designed for that. But wearing it makes no sense wearing those glasses. If you if you're wearing outside, they reduce the amount of that dangerous blue, as it were, by only about twenty percent. I mean, so what? Right? It's not a huge benefit. But the blue that we want to block for the circadian rhythms is up at the 480 range. So you've got to have glasses that do that. And the, by the way, the, the giveaway is how orange and yellow do the glasses look? So if, you, if someone gives you blue blocking glasses, they put a light blue tint, but they're really very clear glasses. They don't do any use for you at all in terms of circadian rhythms. They're blocking their own blue. Those that do block the right blue tend to be yellow orangey color. And that certainly is something that is um, useful. We thought that originally, interestingly, we thought that might be the answer. You know, let's let's just you know provide people with 
glasses that blocked out blue. <laughs> we found out uh, something rather interesting we hadn't quite realized. We did some trials in a major, in some major companies. Um, actually, we did these in Australia because we had an opportunity to do a whole trial, give everyone these glasses who works in the night shift. And uh, we thought it was going to be great. What we didn't realize is they can't see colors properly with these glasses. So we have people operating a railroad. Now, when you have railroads, you know, and single tracks, you better know which train is coming. And, and I don't know if you've ever seen these maps where on a screen where there's a train's going across and other trains coming across this way on the screen. Well, you put on the glasses and some of the trains disappear. And we said, whoops, that's a bit dangerous because it all could, you know, it takes some color. So if you've got any job that requires color discrimination, um, then, you know, the blue blocking glasses are not a great idea because uh, you'll lose colors. You won't be able to see certain colors on the screen. And so that's when we, one of the managers said, Mark, you know, never mind the glasses. Can't you just change the lights? Because the lights, you know, the computer screen is still showing all its colors. And we now know, um, and that's what got us into actually blending lights instead of glasses to solve this uh, blue problem at night. I mean, it's a scary thought because you're like, these are commercially available. I have seen, you know, everywhere in the world marketing like, oh, these blue light glasses for when you're on your computer. And most of them do look very clear. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, they look like right. glasses and, yeah, and then, fake lenses. <laughs> absolutely. It doesn't do much good. So it doesn't do anything for your circadian rhythms and your sleep. Um, they are, you know, uh, they really are tackling an entirely different problem. Now, they may provide a bit more definition, but they're not going to do anything to help you sleep. And yeah. so it's, blue is a broad range of colors. If you think about it, everything from violet blues to royal blues to sky blues to aqua. There's a lot of different colors that fall under the so-called blue spectrum. Yeah. And to think like one end of this is a waste of your money and the yeah. other end of this might make you partially colorblind while you wear them. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's not super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. But interestingly, I mean, you know, I, as I was writing my book, The Light Dog, all these are factoids you discovered, which I'd never realized. The ancient Greeks didn't have a word for blue in their language. Which is staggering. You know, how do you describe, you know, the world? I mean, presumably the sky was still blue and the oceans were, you know, were, you know, were aqua or blue or whatever. Uh, but they had no word for it, which is really, really strange. And blue means different things. So that, um, you know, in Japanese, it means uh, bluish, greenish color, very different color. So traffic lights in Japan are a different color. It, it's very different to people's perception of color. And people, some people are colorblind. How do I know that what I'm looking at and, you know, you know I see the, the view behind you on your wall there, you know, how do I know that I'm seeing the same color perception as you're seeing, right? It's colors in your head. It's how your eyes and your brain perceives it. And so people are colorblind sees it different things. But my son, um, wasn't, it wasn't until he was 40. That he discovered he was colorblind. It's amazing. He didn't know he was colorblind. So he just went on assuming this is what the world was for everybody. So yeah. a lot of people not knowing they're actually colorblind. Well, I mean, that's one of those things where you talk to a friend of yours and you're like, oh, I really like this shade of purple. And they're like, that's not purple. Yeah, you're like no, it's totally purple. Like you just don't know colors. Like we start making fun of each other for not having a broad enough vocabulary, and then turns yeah. out one of us is colorblind. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and some people have additional pigments in their eyes so they can see more colors than they had, than, than the normal ones. So it goes the other way, too. There are people who are, you know, have, have more, more color pigment sensitivity. And so other species, birds and others, can see a, a much larger range of colors than we can see. So it's, a, it's an interesting world out there. But color is, a, you know, is a perception thing, right? What we perceive. These clocks are using light for an entirely different purpose, and we don't perceive it. We can't see what they're doing, and that's why it's so automatic. It runs so well, you know, until we invented LED lights and started screwing ourselves up. But there are now LED screens, um, you know, that, that are coming out that don't have any blue in them at night. They switch automatically. You can't barely tell the difference between day and night, only they're not pumping out blue light. So that, that all those technologies are now coming together uh, to solve this problem, uh, but so few people know about it. To uh, you know, so that's why I'm out here talking about it, getting people to understand, and hopefully they'll read my book, The Light Up, to learn more. Yes, of course, and I hope they do. It really makes me think because I spend a lot of time in different studios, and this one's set up very poorly. Not that people can see it, but you know, I'm constantly getting blasted by lights. You know, it's very common in production areas to have very bright lights. And yes. it makes me think, you know, as you said, like there are different uses between, you know, lights that run in that violet range to the blue to the green. Like there are different uses. Should we be using those like therapy? Is there a way for us to just like use them, you know, in buildings like, oh, hey, when you walk into your office building, like we're going to be pumping a lot of green because it's supposed to help your mental health. <laughs> Yes, well, I, I think that's where we're going to be going with all, with all this, is that, um, you know, a lot of it will become automatic because we can control the spectrum now of what we actually deliver. And the more we learn about the spectrum, you know, we can enhance it. So, um, so yes, I think that's going to be um, the future. We're not there yet. Um, we have to be a bit more aware of what we're buying and what we're using. Uh, but I, I certainly think that there's going to be a, a way of, of helping manage that and certainly in terms of our mental health and everything else you know seeing the right type of light at the right time of day is absolutely critical absolutely and thank you so much for coming on and sharing this i mean it's been extremely educational you know considering like i don't think about the lights overhead so, <laughs> yeah, it's been incredibly helpful i have appreciated your time immensely i want to make sure one more time tell everyone where they can find your book or more from you if they're looking for it Absolutely. You go to my, my website is thelightdoctor.com. Uh, my book, The Light Doctor, is currently on Substack. Um, and you just search Substack for The Light Doctor. And, uh, as I say, uh, the lights are becoming available. Um, the company called Chorus is producing them. The luminum lights are coming out, um, uh, this, uh, this month. And, uh, the lights coming out, light bulbs are already available, uh, from the, Sora, S-O-R-A-A, store, uh, and more lights coming available. So th these solutions are now becoming available, and uh, I'd encourage everyone to sort of get up to speed and read The Light Doctor. And, uh, you know, this is something really interesting. You know, we all, it's a light diet. We, we need to have the right light diet, just like we have the same right uh, nutritional diet. Of course, and thank you so much, not only for writing this book and for coming on here and telling people, but for literally inventing the solution to our problems. Yeah, well, it's been uh, quite, a, quite, a, quite a trip, quite a road, and uh, I'm delighted to see it finally come to fruition. It's a long road to get it there. 
but then sliced bread took quite a few years to become reality. And, you know, greatest invention since sliced bread or took 10 years at least after the invention of sliced bread for people to actually start using it. Time to catch on, a little bit of adaption. But yeah. again, Dr. Murray, thank you so much for being here. Good. Thank you, Colin. I'm personally picking up a couple of these blue free LED lights because I'm usually up quite late working on this show and I'd like to not develop diabetes or cancer just because I like to see in the dark. The top country rankings have updated a bit. Number one, the United States, still led by New York, Oregon, and Illinois. Number two, the United Kingdom, with England way out front. Number three, Canada, with British Columbia taking the lead from the normal powerhouse province. Number four, Australia, with New South Wales holding its spot. And number five, Ireland, tied with New Zealand. That's it for this week. Have a great week, a great weekend. I'll see you all back here for the next new episode. Until that next episode, pretty please do all those things that help the show grow, like rating, reviewing, liking, and subscribing. Also, remember you can reach out to me at dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com or on any social media page if you want to reach out to me personally. But most importantly, stay dumb.